Tristan Hopper has a special. your sea of forgetfulness the chains of yesterday surround me I yearn for peace and rest I don't want to end up where you found me and it echoes in my mind keeps me awake tonight I know you've cast my sin as far as the east is from the west and I stand before you now As though I've never sinned Today I feel like I'm just one mistake away From you leaving me this way Jesus, can you show me just how far The east is from the west Cause I can't bear to see the man I've been Come rising up in me again In the arms of your mercy I find rest Cause you know just how far the east is from the west From one scarred hand to another I start the day the war begins Endless reminding of my sin Time and time again Your truth is drowned out by the storm I'm in Today I feel like I'm just one mistake away From you leaving me this way Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? Cause I can't bear to see the man I've been Come rising up in me again In the arms of your mercy I'll find rest Cause you know just how far the east is from the west From one scarred hand to the other I know you washed me white Turned my darkness into light I need your peace to get me through, to get me through this night. I can't live by what I feel, but by the truth your word reveals. I'm not holding on to you, but you're holding on to me. You know just how far the east is from the west I don't have to see the man I've been Rising up in me again In the arms of your mercy I'll find rest Cause you know just how far the east is from the west From one scarred hand to the other
Good evening. I'll tell you, I've had a trying afternoon. I didn't didn't intend for the events of today to happen. I told Josh this morning that the Lord was kind of changing my message and maybe He should have changed it to forgiveness. Uh, but church, I apologize. Uh, and there was no doubt in my mind I knew Promised Land would forgive me. Um, there's, uh, maybe I can preach hell hot enough tonight, the fans will cool it down. <laughs> but anyway, um, here we go. We are, uh, if you don't know, I let the baptistry run over tonight. I praise God that we get to feel that thing. Uh, that's something we can rejoice in. If you will turn in your Bibles, I thought I'm going to struggle here at the start, but I'm going to get going. Hold on. Revelations 2 is where we're going to start tonight. I hope we can walk away tonight from this sermon changing our attitude towards serving the Lord. You see, just just like today, I didn't need a live example, but the Lord blessed me with one. Man will fail you each and every time. But there's one who will not fail us. And that's where our service, that's where it all needs to stem from. If you look at Revelations chapter 2, Starting in verse 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars." and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for allowing us to come today and worship You here in this place. Dear Lord, help us as we go through this message that we'll leave here and we will focus on our love towards You. Dear Lord, thank You so much for dying on that cross that Brother Josh preached about this morning and giving Your life as a ransom for ours. Dear Lord, just forgive us of all our sins. In Your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Who is our first love? Jesus. Who else? You see, the church at Ephesus Ephesus was just like us. It was a gathering, it was an assembly of people called out to do the work of Jesus Christ. If you remember, there's two prerequisites to church membership. Salvation and baptism. 
There's one prerequisite uh, to scriptural baptism, and that's salvation. Salvation is accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. So if you take it all the way back to its roots, being a part of this church at Ephesus was all about Jesus Christ. That's what they were there for. That's what they were doing there at the church at Ephesus. So what's their first love? Jesus. It makes sense. You take everything, their history, the reason they were there, all the way back and it points to one thing. Jesus Christ. Who's the first love of this church? Well, if we're a true New Testament church, it's Jesus. We all started this journey not because we fell in love with a Baptist business meeting, not because we fell in love with an Iwana program with kids playing 50 questions every time we opened the doors, but because Jesus loved us. That's what started this journey of us being a part of Promised Land is, is we fell in love with the Savior, Jesus Christ. He, he is today and has always been my first love. Let's take a moment to see how they got here. If, if you want to know my points for this message, it's pretty simple. We're going to take the first love and we're going to ask the question, who, what, when, where, and why? That's what we're going to ask. And, and, and so, number one, who? Jesus, absolutely. How did the church at Ephesus get to the point that they forgot the who? They forgot Jesus. They forgot who it was all about. How did they do that? Ephesus was a prominent town. All the luxuries you can ever imagine in that day and time was in the very center of Ephesus. They had not one but two big cathedrals that you could go and you could watch all kinds of sporting entertainment and you could watch the biggest games of the day. It was the happening place right in the middle of Ephesus. They could have turned to every activity and and every activity was competing with their time. But they wanted to do church, right? They wanted to do church. The church at Ephesus made sure they met every time the church doors were open. And if you were evil, they could point it out in a New York minute. They had no time to play church because everything else was competing with their, with their time. And so they wanted authentic church. And that's what they strived for. But in that desperate desire to keep church authentic, they forgot who was the very one who made church worth going to. Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that sounds a lot like us. We get so caught up in the things of this world. We get so caught up in in how we want our church to be. And, And we treat church like a scheduled event rather than a place of worship. I love thinking of it in this analogy, if you will. Let me take you through this. Imagine going out with your spouse on a date. And you look over the table and you say, Honey, you've got to hurry up. We've got to make it to the movie. You get to the movie and you say, Oh, we've got to leave early because the ice cream shop closes at this time and we've got to get dessert. 
And then you get to the ice cream shop and you say, Hey, we've got to get home early. You've got to hurry up. What we've done is turned a date, an opportunity to spend quality time with our spouse into a schedule of events we've got to attain to. The same thing happens with us in church. It gets to be a schedule of events and we look at all these events and we've got to do this and we've got to do it this way. But what about the quality time with Jesus Christ our Lord? Do you get that? We have to come to this place and say, Lord, we're here for You. And I, I wonder what it looks like to leave Jesus out of the picture. Maybe just like the church at Ephesus, Ephesus you leave Jesus out of the picture and you try to do what's good. We ought to do good. Let me take that back. We ought to do good. We ought to be about doing good with the right motive. But you look at the church at Ephesus here and they were doing a lot, a lot, a lot of good things. Matter of fact, I think Jesus praised them a little bit on some of the things they did. We know that other churches do good, so we ought to do the same. Yeah, yeah. But a church that tries to make... Everything about being good without knowing the one who is good falls short. Next thing, maybe a church tries to make their members faithful. I tell you what, I want to show you two scriptures tonight that may change your mind about that. The first one is Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. And I want to look at verse 3. It says this, For I say, though the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So who deals faith? Jesus. Turn over with me now to Luke. If you look at an example of the disciples, Jesus is telling, teaching His uh, disciples about forgiveness in Luke 17. And then they get to verse 5 and the disciples tell Jesus this, and the apostles, I'm sorry, apostles, said unto the Lord, increase our faith. I tell you what, I'm never going to be able to make you more faithful than you are. Jesus Christ does that. And it only comes through that loving relationship that we have with Jesus Christ that we will become more faithful than we already are. We cannot... Point people and point at people and say, you need to be more faithful, you need to take on more roles in the church. God's going to do that. Our responsibility as a church is to look at those people and set them an example of a person passionately in love with Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, a church that's left their first love also looks like this. Depressed and overworked. You cannot do good without the one who is good. You cannot make people more faithful with the one who deals faithfulness. 
And when you try to do things that you cannot do, you will fail. And a church that continually fails is a sad church. And I think about that and I think, man, that church at Ephesus, even though they're in spite of all the things they did good, they must have been a sad church to not have Jesus there in the center of it. Where does it leave us if we leave Christ? Number one, I guarantee you our worship is going to suffer. Look at with with me, look at Proverbs chapter 11. You say, well, Trey, what do we have to worship if we take Jesus out of it? Absolutely nothing. But here's what happens. A lot of times people start and begin to take Jesus out of their worship and what happens is they begin to worship themselves. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. If you flip over to Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. It says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. Galatians now. Take you to one more scripture over in Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I tell you what, we have nothing left to boast about, to praise about, than our Lord Jesus Christ. If we worship ourselves, if we build ourselves up, it's pride. And we know the Scripture tells us plainly that pride leads to destruction. We've got a glory and we've got a praise and we've got a worship about that cross and what Jesus did on that cross. Not only will our worship suffer, but we'll be directionless. Have you ever wondered why we use the phrase running around like a chicken with its head cut off? I thought about this today. Maybe a little gory thought. But the head is where the direction comes from. If you work in a big corporation or something of that sort, you know that the head of that corporation gives you the direction in which you go. As you and your family make decisions, who makes, who makes those decisions? Who leads the family? The wife? No, the head? Whoever that is. I'm not going to get into that sermon. The head of the house makes that decision, and that's the way God ordained that. But look at Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says this, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. Who's the head of our church? Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, we are literally a church running around with its head cut off. We have no direction. We have no sense of where we're going or what we're doing without Jesus. But also we have no purpose. Why would we meet here in this building 
tonight if it weren't for Christ. We could come together, we could talk about how to get rich, you know, the name it, claim it gospel. We could preach about how to better yourself in the evil world we live in, you know, better yourself gospel. But that ain't what my Bible says preach. My Bible says preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Without Jesus, we have no purpose. The church is here to bring honor and glory to His name and no other. When we get away from Jesus, we get away from what is truth. And we become not a church at all. If you look at verse 5 here, it says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto you, unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its, his place, except thou repent. If you go one, uh, a couple of verses back, chapter 1 and verse 20, we find out what that candlestick is. And it says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches. So, so what does it mean here in chapter 2 and verse 5 when Jesus said He's going to come and He's going to move that candlestick out of its place? I believe if we take Jesus out of our church, we're not a church at all. I believe we don't, we lose our authority, we lose our influence. If you remember back to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus said, I have all power and all authority. And then He commissions His church to go and do the work. And we have authority here as a church as long as Jesus is here in it. But if we take Jesus out, we have no authority. Also, if you look back at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, And I think this interesting that Jesus uses the candlestick to represent a church because in Matthew 5, He talks about us being light in the world we live in. Matthew 5 and verse 14, it says, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We as a church have the opportunity to be a light in this community, but if we take the light of the world out of it, we are not a light at all. So how do we get right? If our church is suffering... From backdooring Jesus, how do we get right? Jesus answers that too. He uses these three words. Remember, repent, and do. Jesus says, remember. Remember what you fell in love with. I tell you, it would take, it would do a whole lot of good for some of us to fall in love with Jesus all over again. You know, uh, you go to any kind of conference uh, about dating or about your marriage, and, and you're going to find that they say, spend time together. Guys, we need to spend time with Jesus Christ. 
We need to fall in love with what He did when He died on that cross, when He laid down His life for us. Do you understand? He paid the ultimate price. He showed the ultimate kind of love for you and me. We need to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Remember who we first fell in love with. He hung on that cross with you on His mind. He bled and died to pay for our sins. Man, that's a man I can fall in love with. And then He says, repent. Repent of your forgetfulness. You know, sometimes we go about this life and we try to serve other people and we try to do other things as a church and the ministries of a church. Don't forget Jesus. Maybe we need to come before Him tonight and repent and say, Lord, let You be the sinner of everything we say and do. Or maybe we need to repent for apathy. Just not caring. Not not caring what Jesus is doing. Not caring what Jesus is directing us to do. Not caring. I don't know what it is. Or maybe we need to repent of self-sitterness. Remember, if we take Jesus out of it, the only thing left to worship is ourself. So maybe we need to repent that, Lord, it's been too much about me. It's been too much uh, about what I want, what I do. Maybe we need to repent of that. We need to turn. That's what repent means. It means to turn away. To turn away from what it is you are doing to what you need to be doing. We need to turn to the One who died for us. And see, even though you left Him, He never left you. Even though you walked away from Him, even though you put Him in the background, He was right there waiting for you to turn back to Him. And then Jesus says, do. Jesus says, do the first works. You know, Jesus told His disciples this. He said, if you love Me, you'll obey My commandments. And I, I, I truly believe tonight that if we fall in love with Jesus the way that we're supposed to fall in love with Jesus, we'll do what He's leading us to do. We'll do the Awana ministry. We'll do the, the Upward ministry. We'll do all these things. Not because we are burdened. Not because we are uh, supposed to do them. Because we love the man that it represents. We love the man that uh, it's all about. You see, do what we do here. It needs to be done out of a heart of passion for Jesus Christ. A, a, a man and a woman passionately in love with Jesus Christ can then go and serve in, in this community wherever God wants them to. But if it's about doing it for somebody else, they'll fall short every time. Because I don't have the strength. I don't have the might. I don't have the grace it takes to do ministry on my own. But with the Lord behind it, He can do anything. We will never critique people into following Christ. We can, however, lead people into a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. I tell you what, I burdened for promised land. And not to say that we're not, but hey, 
I'm telling you, the way Jesus Christ loved us, there's none can compare. And I'm burdened that we need to fall in love with Him more and more each day. As we have a hymn of invitation tonight, Do you know your first love? Have you ever met Him? You see, you can't have Jesus as your first love if you've never accepted Him as your Savior. But also, are you here tonight and you've been wore down, you've been so burdened by the things of this world, and you've been so overcome by the ministries even of this church? Are you doing it out of love for Him? Are you doing it out of your own self? Because let me tell you, that well of self will run dry every time. But as David said, and I love the way he said it, in Psalms 23, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And because of that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's fall in love with Jesus all over.